Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we've got another sponsor to tell you about, Phil Supreme. They're a nationally recognized brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins, and much more. Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions, including UFC, Bellator, brave and cage warriors with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram, which is at Phil underscore Supreme or their website, www.philsupreme.co.uk and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin. Joining me via the means of Zoom, as ever, Blake Harrison. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Well, well yes, this the afternoon now, mate, just to correct you there. It's, it's just 12, gone midday. 12.06, 12, 12 so uh, you're six minutes delayed. Sorry about that. Sorry. Just, uh... Good afternoon, Blake Harrison. How are you, sir? <laughs> yeah, good, mate. Good, good, good. How are you doing? I'm all right. I've just finished watching the fights. Yeah, so it's, it's it's Monday. Monday just gone midday yep. on Monday, and so mm-hmm. why are you why are you only just watching finishing watching the fights now? Right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll get into that because I want to find out how everyone else watched it. So should we, should we let's let's bring Pip in. How are you doing, Pip? Thanks for joining us again. It's good to be here again, gents. Good, good, good. Well, I um I, I went to watch a gig on Saturday night, and yep. uh, and I got in and I thought, well, um. What should I do? Because it's series linked. Got nothing to worry about. Everything's series linked. All right, get up Sunday morning. It's all there to watch. So I got in, and the fight pass prelims were on. So you know, we had a little vested interest in them. We'll get onto that later, and uh, and and sort of watched a couple of them. Then I went to bed. I was just telling Pip this. So sorry for uh, before we started press uh, before we press recall. Then. Uh, I'd had a few drinks at this concert, got into bed, and then got a big nudge in the back and told to stop snoring. Uh, <laughs> so I thought, I'll, I'll grab uh, I'll grab the spare duvet and I'll go and uh, sleep downstairs if I'm snoring. So I've gone downstairs, and I thought, as I walked downstairs, I thought, oh, I wonder where we're at with the cars. So I stuck the TV on and watched another fight, and then I thought, look, don't don't ruin everything, because you're not going to remember this. Like, cause you've had a couple of beers, and it's middle of the night. Just get some sleep, wake up in the morning, you got a clear morning, you can watch it. Got up in the morning, 
the prelims had recorded, and for some reason the main card hadn't. I was devastated. I was oh, so no. upset. What was the, was the box like me. full or something? Had you used up all no. the... No. Uh, mate, no, but, but Pip, you said that it hadn't recorded on yours either. Yeah, mine wasn't... I, I stay up and, and watch most of them live because I've not got um, kids. Um, so so <laughs> I can have that luxury. Um, but yeah, I noticed... I, I recalled them anyway in case... Like, in case I'd get to... 3am and go, oh, I'm sleepy, I'll watch the rest in the morning and I don't want to have to remember. So, But I noticed that mine wasn't instantly recording. I had to redo the series link. So, yeah. But, I mean, the the the, the image of Stu on his sofa, <laughs> a little bit drunk, under his duvet, in his pants. Just His duvet pulled up. It's been cold lately. So his duvet pulled I, up. You could not describe that any better. <laughs> As he's sitting there going, oh, the fights are on. It's bloody adorable. Oh, man. Like a kid at Christmas. It was exactly like a kid at Christmas, but Santa didn't turn up that morning. Oh, no. Lump of coal. Um, Your house had been left off the series <laughs> lead on Santa's, on Santa's list. I've been a naughty boy. <laughs> what so about what did you, you have to do? Did you have to just watch it on, like, the app or something? Or No, because I haven't got the app. I, bought, I got yesterday morning I watched... Uh, fight past prelims sorry, sorry I'm giggling there because I know Stu's battles with technology if you've got BT Sports you can watch on the app but in Stu's mind I've not got the app because he can't figure out how to watch it on the he app he literally that, doesn't even know how to download the BT Sport app is that what you're saying yeah. I've not got the app no they never delivered that when I booked it <laughs> well I watched fight pass and, and the prelims on, on fight pass uh, yesterday so uh, I was up to speed on that and uh, BT repeat it on a Saturday, uh, Sunday evening. So, recorded that one and watched it and finished literally watching the Usman scrap about 40 minutes ago. Wow. Brilliant. Nice. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, a couple of the results I did see uh, ahead of it. But, uh, uh, what about you, Blake? Because you had your last night of the play, yeah, right? Yeah. So, you were off we, celebrating. Yes, yeah. So, we had a few drinks afterwards. I was in the, the theatre bar and I realised it had just gone past like 11.30. And I was like, oh, shit, I bet Ian Gary's on now. And I thought I would catch everything. But no, he was about two minutes into his fight. So, I watched that surrounded by a bunch of thespians. And uh, <laughs> I, when Ian got the knockout, I was like, yes! And everyone was like, what's happening? I was like, oh, no, don't worry. It's the, you won't be interested. Don't worry. Um, but uh, And then we got home at like, I don't know, like just before 2 a.m. So I watched the Gaethje Chandler fight in bed. And so that was pretty amazing. I was a little bit drunk and uh, a little bit tired, um, but it definitely woke me up a bit. But then I was like, no, turn it off now, whatever. So I ended up re-watching Gaethje Chandler the next day because my yeah. recording thankfully worked. Because I, I, See, I don't do the series link. I just record Because if I series link it, it records everything that's like UFC connected, UFC this, UFC that, UFC <laughs> the most boring fights in the UFC that have ever been put on or whatever it is that they do. But there's... All of those kind of things that get recorded. So I just started to do the individual ones. So I was quite lucky with that. So I rewatched Gaethje Chandler and watched everything. But I did it um, late last night because we took the kids to see the Frozen musical <laughs> uh, yes. for the early matinee. So I couldn't watch anything until about 6 p.m. last night. But I stayed off social media. And even so you someone text the WhatsApp group that we're in. 
And I didn't even yeah. look at the message. And it turns out the message was Stu being upset because it hadn't recorded. But my response, <laughs> my response, I was just like, I'm not even looking at the message. I just went, guys, I haven't seen it yet. Don't tell me anything like that. That was my message on the <laughs> oh, no, I. <laughs> and, I, and I just did not say anything. And I didn't look at my phone. I just kept it off and everything. Brilliant. Um, and so I was able to watch. The only thing that came through is I subscribe. Ariel Helwani does this like Substack thing where he gets, uh, he puts out loads of like information. Um, uh, on uh, I don't know, like whatever it is, his Substack or whatever, like what you can read up on and stuff. His like takes on different things, and uh, I got an email alert for the new one that came out, and it, the, the email started with like, "Who can stop Usman?" And I was like, "No, you've given away, <laughs> you bastard!" Um, I hate it I when know. they put the spoiler in the title because the, again, they're the things you can't avoid. No. Sometimes it'll be oh, all right. Yeah. Cheers, guys. So, that, so I knew that Usman had probably won, but I didn't know how. And we'll get onto it later. But when I was watching the fight, I was like, has he won? Has something else happened? But anyway, that's, uh, so that's how it all went down for me. <laughs> Imagine if that was the email. Who can stop Usman? It's Colby. He beat him last night to win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be good. I would enjoy that. Good um, teaser. Yeah. So shall we, shall we crack on with how the main card started with... What could possibly be... Well, it's definitely a contender for fight of the year, right? Gaethje Chandler? Yeah. What, yeah. what were our thoughts yeah. on that? <clears throat> Best opener of a card ever? Because mm. the fact it was an opener, yeah. the fact they moved them forward so they could avoid the rush at the at the hospital <laughs> um, was, was just wonderful. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, good night for Trevor Whitman, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. G- g- Got to be... Front runner for coach of the year. I mean, I know everyone's going on for one about yeah. how Khabib is like, he's never like lost a fight as a coach and he's obviously doing phenomenally well in both Bellator yeah. and the UFC. But I mean, we're talking. And Kraus as well, getting a lot of yeah. appropriate love. Yeah. But yeah, Whitman. But I mean, that's title fights. I know he's only got three fighters. It's probably easier when you've only got a limited amount of fighters or whatever. But we're talking the, the number one contender fights and title fights this year. Usman winning three of those fights, two of which by knockout. Rose winning her title back by knockout and then defending it. Uh, Gaethje winning a huge, possibly, as we just said, fight of the year fight. I mean, he's, he's got to be front runner for coach of the year right now, Trevor Whitman. That is incredible. 100%. And <clears throat> just getting back to the, the, the fighters themselves, I know people often talk about, you know, Gaethje and just how tough he is and Michael Chandler, man. Oh. Fuck me, that geezer's made of stone, like, mm-hmm. and and again, he's got that that amazing kind of spirit that makes great that Nigel Ben spirit of when you're hit and you're hurt, you just deal with it by coming back as hard as you can. And it was just first round, I was exhausted, like yeah. just watching. Yeah, I was like, oh, I wish this was five. I wish this was five rounds because this is incredible um i thought justin was a bit more measured um interested to see chandler really using the, the low kicks early on as well yeah uh, obviously yeah. you expect that from gaichi but you know some some beast low kicks coming from chandler oh, oh gaichi made up for it oh 100 oh, yeah 100 <laughs> those low kicks made a stone but yeah. chandler's leg was marbled mm. by the end of it it was just painful to look at yeah yeah I- he switched stances a few times but like he was still He's, he's so low slung in his stance as well, Chandler, which is obviously he, he, he gather, you know he makes up ground really quickly and he throws them hands that look 
devastating. His boxing's just different level. But I think Justin just looked incredible. I th- I thought it was going to end end by leg kicks towards the end. Yeah. There. Like, I, I remember when, when Justin had signed for the UFC and in one of our group chats, Stu, we were all sending around kind of highlights of him in World Series mm. of Fighting and elsewhere where he's just fights are having to be stopped because the fighter can't stand mm. up and it felt like oh we're finally getting that mm. in and, in here and it's just brutal and he don't really load them up they just come from nowhere he doesn't like switch or anything he's just boom they're in well, as, they're as, so quick as Rogan was talking about in commentary he can do them from the clinch mm. which is so unique for 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 low calf kicks mm. kind of thing to get that spin and snap on them when you're literally f- f- shin to shin mm. basically it's ridiculous yeah, absolute cracker. Thoughts on it, Mr. Harrison? Yeah, it was it was as advertised, wasn't it? It was like we were all thinking yeah. to. I think it amazingly, I think it exceeded expectations. I actually mm. think people yeah, were like, "This is going to be an incredible fight," but you never know. Gaethje might take him out. Like, I I thought Gaethje would win because he's a superior striker by maybe a TKO in the second or third round or something like that. But this this gave us even more. I mean, Chandler was really putting it on him in that first round. And even though Chandler's face looked more marked up, the wobbles that Gaethje had looked like, oh my God, the end Mm -hmm. of that, was it the first round where he he hit him once, he wobbled a bit, Mm -hmm. then he hit him again and he really wobbled. And you're like, Jesus. And then in round two, he comes out, Gaethje lands that, was it a huge uppercut up the Mm, middle that just sent Chandler down? It it had every, it was such a great, and then what was amazing, what was really amazing was, Michael Chandler took all this punishment and you could see by the third round, maybe that it was shifting towards Gaethje. As you said, I think Gaethje was more measured. We talked about this before. Gone are the days of the kind of Alvarez and Poirier losses that the Gaethje had where, mm-hmm. um, where, where he, you know, he just went hell for leather. He is more measured now. He was using far more head movement and stuff like that, but he can still go to war as, as we saw. But Chandler yeah. picking him up and slamming him down in that third round and Gaethje just kind of front yeah. rolling out of it. Cartwheeling, it was yeah, incredible. Yeah. And but Ga- Chandler never didn't look double negative there. But he always looked dangerous. Chandler, despite yeah. losing the fight, despite his face being all over the shop and his leg being battered, I still thought he could catch him. He could mm. absolutely still couldn't, catch him. Couldn't agree more. I, I adore Gaethje, and for that whole fight, I was like, he's going to get caught mm. because he again, it's that weird thing of he's become. I think it's why I respect how measured he's become more because it's clearly against his nature completely. Like it feels like the whole time he's being this measured fighter, he's just having to hold on so hard from not just going, I'm just going to plow in and get punched and throw punches and and enjoy it. Yep. But, but yeah, I kept thinking exactly that of Blake. I was like, Justin is pulling away here, like technique wise, he's beating up the leg, he's landing those uppercuts, he's mixing in the body shots as well, some brutal body shots. But Chandler always looked like landing that one punch that could yep. have just turned out the lights. Absolutely, I, I just amazing. I think what's the beautiful thing about this fight is it's a fight where no no one really lost in terms of like the fan enthusiasm, anything like that. Like obviously, you know, Chandler's taken that loss on his record, but in terms like like none of their stocks dipped. Everyone's yeah. no one's going to be saying. Oh, I don't not fancy that Michael Chandler fight because he lost that last fight. Everyone's going to be like, no, I really want to see the next Michael Chandler fight regardless of yeah. the fact that he lost. And I think that's a wonderful thing. I just, 
hope they both have plenty of time to heal up because that that really was a a war and they're both going to need to to heal up after that one. Super respectful post fight as well uh, yeah. for each other. Uh, see, Gaethje posted a really cool photo of them both in hospital together on his socials. Yeah, like so. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, do we want to talk any more about where where this leaves them um, as yeah. as fighters in regards to moving forward? I think for Gaethje is sort of obvious, isn't it? He's there's, the, he's there's the number people, one contender. So I mean, mm. we've we've I mean, a Chandler we can get onto in a minute. I think that's a slightly more difficult one to pin down where we think he might end up next. But in terms of Gaethje, it's got to be the winner of Poirier and Oliveira, which happens in December. Hundred percent. Who do we do we favour him against either of those guys or one of those guys? Pip, what do you think? Do you, like Gaethje versus Oliveira or Poirier? What do you think the outcome might be? It's really tough because Oliveira is one that I think there was a period about probably five, six, maybe more years ago now where the difference that Nate Diaz made in between each fight meant you couldn't really predict him based on his last fight. And Oliveira feels like that at the moment. It's like each fight he's making such a leap. It's like, well, we can't say how would Justin do against Oliveira that we've just seen because each each time he's, he's that much better. But... I'm, I think I'm too much. I'm too biased and too much of a, a just yeah. man because I can see him beating Poirier yeah. as well, even though he lost again. I think they put they had a, a war and it was it was head versus legs. Yeah, it was w- which one's going to break first. One was head hunting, one was leg hunting, or a bit of body or whatever. So yeah, I could see him being champ against either of those guys out of the two because he's already lost to Dustin. I'm still struggling to get the Oliveira of old out of my head yeah. where he'll look amazing for a couple and then he'll look, he'll get beaten and then he'll look amazing and then he'll get beaten. So that feels like the easier of the two, but I don't think we're judging it on, on anything that yeah. we've seen before with him. Yeah. I, I, I think he might have a better shot. I, I think he could be either of them. I think he's got a better shot against Oliveira. I know. I think you're exactly right in what you're saying. You don't know what Oliveira is sort of going to turn up, and he is getting better yeah. and better and better. Um, like we talked about ceilings in the pre-fight show, and he's someone that's burst through the ceiling yeah. everyone thought he had. But I think where I think Oliveira's really shown how good a wrestler he is uh, against Tony Ferguson. But that won't do anything yeah. against Chandler. Chandler's fought a superior wrestler. Uh, sorry, against Gaethje. Gaethje, Gaethje yeah. didn't allow Chandler to take him down other than that one moment in the third round. And I don't see Oliveira picking him up and slapping him down like Chandler did. No. So I think it's going to be a stand-up fight. And I think Oliveira can throw some really nice stuff and he's got the length and all that. But I just think Gaethje's so tough. And those leg kicks and all that kind of stuff... I, I, I would slight, only slightly, but I would favour Gaethje in that fight. And the Poirier fight, if he fights Poirier again, feels a bit like a coin flip because Poirier's kind of good everywhere. Gaethje's good, like that. Yeah, I. But I'm um, sign me up for either one. I am any one of those yeah. fights. I am. I'm there, unless I'm in a yeah. theatre job. Then I'm there. <laughs> then I'm there. <laughs> How great is it having a fighter like Gaethje, who's Become an absolute box office yeah. draw, but completely off of his style and what he does in the octagon. He's not really, he doesn't do a thing outside really. And when he does, it's not exactly a, a, a setting the world no. on fire, but purely he's 
one of the biggest names in MMA purely because of how he goes in there and, and represents himself and the sport. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the one thing I loved about the build-up to this that I saw, I don't know if it's um, if it's Step Brothers or if it's something else. There's a thing where Will Ferrell is talking to, I don't know the actor's name, he's the guy from The Hangover who played the police officer that goes, in the face, in the face, is that uh, guy. Oh, what but, is his name? I don't know his name, but basically there's a whole thing of like, the guy saying, I just want to punch you in the face. I don't know what it is. You're a nice guy. You've done a really good job here. I just really want to punch him. And Will Ferrell's like, oh, all I can do is just like take that on board and let that marinate in me and I'll see what I can come back with to just kind of like make myself a better person and all this stuff. That, and someone put up that that is the Gaethje Chandler relationship. <laughs> like Gaethje was like, I just want to punch you in the face. And Mark Chandler's like, I'm just a nice guy. I don't know what it is that makes you want to punch me in the face, but yeah. sure, yeah, we'll work with that and we'll just try and come to some kind of it. understanding and conclusion to this. And Gaethje, that just makes me want to punch you even it. more. And it's like, that's the only thing that really made that build up funny for me. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, but as you say, it's all about style and it's all about his performances in the octagon that just make you... Yeah, as you say, huge box office draw. If he's if he's headlining a pay per view, people are buying it, and that's why as well. Anyone that's going, no, but what about Makachev and all that stuff? And I've heard some people saying, oh, but Gaethje's only on like a one fight win streak. Well, firstly, that loss was to Khabib. I mean, that who doesn't lose to Khabib? Yeah. And secondly, yeah. look at those fights. Of course, he's a huge box office draw, particularly for the American market and all that stuff. Way more so than Makachev. The casual fans will want to tune in for Gaethje more so than Makachev. So. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, Makachev's not far away, and I think Makachev against anyone right now, I'm favouring Makachev, but be nice to have Gaethje, UFC champion, even if it's just for a few months. So is that the answer of what's next for Chandler? Then? Yeah, I was thinking that. Is that, that what Makachev needs to get a title shot to beat to beat someone of Chandler's status? Maybe. That, I mean, I, th- I think that's, that's a great... I think Chandler's got loads of options. I think that's a great fight. The only problem is... After that fight with Gaethje, surely Chandler needs a bit of time off. And Makachev just dispatched yeah. Hooker in seconds, it felt like. Um, yeah, yeah. So maybe Makachev fights someone else. A lot of people saying number one contender fight between him and Benil Dariush, but they're both dominant MMA guys. Mm-hmm. And Ali Abdelaziz is probably going to want to keep them separate so they can both have title shots at some point, earn yeah. more money and all yeah. that stuff. So Chandler, I, t- I just, I just don't know. I think the Makachev fight makes sense. Chandler really wanted to fight Khabib, and Makachev's kind of the next big thing. But I don't know if the dates will line up because Chandler probably should take at least six months off now. Uh, yeah. And Makachev yeah. could probably, the way he's going, fight twice in that time. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know what what could be next for him. But maybe he just takes a step back and has a fun fight somewhere. I mean, it's. A, I don't want to see him fight a Tony Ferguson because I think he'd destroy Tony. I think Tony should be fighting like Nate Diaz at 170 or something like that. But I'm sure, I'm sure that over the course, do you know what will happen is over the course of the next six months or so, something will open up. Like if mm-hmm. Oliveira beats Poirier in December, 100% do uh, Chandler versus Poirier. That'd be a fantastic fight. Yeah. And there's always going to be someone that's moving up the rankings as well towards him that he goes, okay, Chandler. Technically, we've been on a two-fight losing streak. We really like him. Let's give him a more, slightly more winnable fight against whoever's around maybe the top 10, like, like you know, mm. 10, yeah. 9, somewhere like that. So something will come out. But I, I think he's definitely got, there's loads of things you could do with, with Michael Chandler, especially after uh, a performance it, like that. As you alluded to earlier, like, you know, he didn't necessarily lose that fight to fans. And so he's he'll headline cards, like, 100%. Yeah. Because fans... 
fans want to see people like Michael Chandler fight, and and obviously we've been spoiled that we've get you know we've got to watch a fighter like that fight somebody very similar like that, and like the, there's just so many more fights for him in that in in that division, and yeah. I would not be surprised to see him headline a card again. Um, even in his next fight, I think he he just literally, I think people just yeah, fell in love with him over that weekend. Just absolute beast. Yep. Next fight. Yep, was Burgos Quarantillo, and he thought hard hardest slot on the card. Right? Oh, How'd you follow that? That's, yeah. Great news for the fans when they say that Chandler Gage is opening, but terrible news for everyone else on that main card. Like. Well, what are we meant to do? Yeah. And it was a great <laughs> fight as well. Amazing fight. And I paid very little attention because I was so excited about Gaethje Chandler still. But you could hear the crowd. The crowd were just like, yeah, yeah this is this is good, but we've just had something ridiculous. So uh, it's like, I don't know. You, you, you've got that fight after Gaethje Chandler and before Frankie Edgar fighting in New York. So, yes. so many people are going to be taking the toilet and, and, and bar break. <laughs> it's a tough gig, isn't it? It and is. Yeah. Yeah, really tough slot. But they put on an amazing, again, another... If we hadn't just had that, that would be one of the ones that people are talking about because they put on a war. Yeah, actually, I, I mean, I felt uh, Billy Q won round one. I thought round two was was brilliant and Burgos nearly finished it. And it's just... the the Billy's leg as well. We're talking about leg kicks again. Billy oh, Quarantillo's yeah. leg was all messed up. Looked like he wasn't going to be able to stand up at one point. Um Again, another one of those ones where both guys gave good account of themselves. I think Quarantillo, he's still an unranked fighter. He's not got a number by his name, but give him someone decent uh, just around whatever the UFC calls their kind of top 20 or something like that maybe. And if he gets a win there, he could get a ranked opponent again because he really did give a good account of himself. Burgos, on the other hand, coming off that huge, like, ugly knockout loss to Edson Barbosa. Um... I think that's great that he's defending. I'm, I'm, I'm always someone in favour of like, if you're a ranked guy and you fought someone behind you or you fought an unranked guy and you win, the next fight should probably be someone in front of you. I think that's probably how it should work. Yeah. So Burgos now is probably looking forward and people that aren't, uh, that are around him that aren't booked up are like Bryce Mitchell and Sadiq Youssef, mm-hmm. who we mentioned the other day as a potential opponent for like a Lerone Murphy or someone like that. And that's why you call people out. Because now... Everyone's looking at, oh, well, who should Burgos fight? Or maybe he should fight Sadiq Yusuf or whatever. But then if Lerone Murphy had called out Sadiq Yusuf the other week, people might be going, oh, no, I really want to see that Lerone Murphy-Sadiq Yusuf fight. So let's not give him to him. Let's give him someone. Mm-hmm. And, but now because there's so many fighters that don't call people out, it just makes it such an open kind of playing field that the fight that you maybe have earned or would want to get, you're not going to get someone else who's going to swoop in there and, and potentially take it. Especially and especially if you are a ranked fighter like Sadiq Youssef, who's ranked at like maybe I don't know, like eleven or twelve or something like that. If he's sent two contracts, one with Lerone Murphy on it, who's unranked, or one with uh, Burgos, who's coming off a win and is ranked fourteenth, you're going to go. Well, I will take Burgos because even if I lose, I still got a number by my name. And mm. so, yeah, I think that's that. I think you're right. I think that's the exact situation you should be calling people out because the reality is, as fans, no one knows who's ranked where outside of the top ten. Mm. You know, so it's it's one of them where it's like we're not. If you didn't go and look at the rankings, you're not necessarily going to be thinking, "Oh, here's who should be next." So you need to put it in the mind of the fans yeah. of here's who I want. You're picking someone that in their mind is probably just, oh, that's a good fighter, not necessarily instantly knowing, 
oh, they're ranked yeah. 11. So you need to pick that to make that climb. Otherwise, people will be like, as you say, oh, Lerone Murphy would be good against that person or this and that. It's like, well, who's ranked? Who isn't ranked? Yeah. It's not. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, it's a tough one there. <clears throat> Shall we move on to, uh, to Frankie and Marlon? Yeah, with, with, with some sadness. I have to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw Derek Brunson uh, tweeted this morning saying, you know, for what it's worth, I never want to see Frank Edgar in the octagon again. I think he's got nothing to prove. He's done everything. He's a legit legend. Do we want to see him get knocked out again? Um, I still think there's some fights out there for Frank Edgar personally. Um, I thought he looked pretty decent until uh, that, that, that front kick. Um, yeah, I mean... Thoughts on that before anything else? Um, go on, Pip. Or, 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 or my thought was just in your in your pre-fight um, episode or pre pre-event episode. I think Blake mentioned that Marlon feels like a step down for Frankie, so it might have been this is what he needs, and it went how it it went. So I'm kind of feeling even more. I felt for a while as well. We don't really need to to see any more from Frankie's a guaranteed Hall of Famer. He's a legend in the sport. Now he's getting multiple knockouts. Um, and it's not like he was a safe fighter ever. His his legendary fights was him getting rocked and surviving and coming through. So he'd already been kind of one of those fighters whose style kind of puts them at risk health-wise and l- longevity-wise. So... Yeah, I've no desire to keep seeing him take this this punishment. No, um, no, I, I agree. I'm I'm quite happy for uh, for Frankie Edgar to go off into the uh, the sunset now. But I mean, the one fight I would be remotely interested in is a fight that is a retirement fight, a five round fight night main event or something like that against Dominic Cruz. If Cruz has got Munoz and if Cruz loses, if Cruz beats Munoz, then Cruz is going to look forward and, and you know, that, that fight's dead in the water, which is why it should have been made ages ago. Um, Cause I think most of us would go, 
yes, I'm happy for Frankie to go. But if someone also said retirement fight against Dominic Cruz, I think a lot of us go, that kind of makes sense. Especially if Cruz is coming off a loss. Cruz isn't a guy that knocks people out regularly. Um, It could be a really interesting fight. The scrambles could be really good. They're both aging bantamweights as well. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And it could be really respectful to legends of the game. It could be a nice thing to see in the build up to the fight and all that kind of stuff. Um, but other than that, no, I've got no interest in seeing Frank. This guy had never been knocked out until we fought Ortega back, like, what was it, like three years ago mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'd, I'd have to speak to someone who was a bit, you know, a, a, a striking coach or something like that. It's like, what's going on with Frankie where everything that's knocking him out seems to be coming straight up the middle? Like, Ortega, mm-hmm. uppercut, Sandhagen, that flying knee, Vera, the front kick. Like, we're not talking about hooks. It's not different things. It's not like, you know, everything's coming straight up the middle, like through his guard. Is, is, there, is, is that just something that happens or is that, is, is that an issue that he's got that people have found out? now and I, 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 I don't yeah. think that's an issue no uh, I, 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 no I just think that's a, a, a really well chosen shot yeah. uh, and I think you know when, when you're in guard there's always going to be a space between your hands and you know if you're, you're quick enough and you find that opportunity and you throw that shot it's, you know there's a big chance it's going to land and I think He's been on. Un- he's he's easier to, easier to land on shorter opponents as well yeah. because you've not got as far to get to get yeah. through and get up but isn't and, that mad yeah, that he was a lightweight champion wasn't it I mean <laughs> That's mental. Yeah. Like and he, he's well, short for bantamweight, let alone um, yeah, lightweight. It's mad, but also I think it's it's a misleading stat that um, he'd never been knocked out up until then because he got knocked out about ten times in his his trilogy yeah. with Grey Maynard. <laughs> just didn't get stopped. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> dudes out constantly just didn't get stopped and fought through and won. So it's yeah. Uh, it's an odd one. It isn't even a case of is his chin weakening. It's like, well, it's all he's always got in trouble. Yeah, there, but yeah. But I think it was just a case of like, well, he's you know he's he, he's nearly knocked out Gray about sixteen times in this round as well. Just yeah. let it go. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, I think we're looking at it from the Edgar point of view. It does feel a bit sad, and I think unless the Cruz fight happens, I've got no real interest in seeing him. Again, I agree with Brunson and Pip uh, about that. But um, from the Vera point of view, the biggest win of his career, right? But I thought he came across as horrible. It surprised me. I've never been that pro or against Vera, but him kind of swearing at Frankie and kind of doing a wanker sign when he got an eye poke, I think it was. Gave him the finger Um, at the end of round two, didn't he? Yeah, he gave him the finger at the end of a round and was just, yeah, really came across as an horrible... I think it's because it's Frankie as well. He's so so beloved. Like No one's kind of anti-Frankie. So when he's being really aggressive and horrible in the fight, not in the build-up, again, he kind of said at the end, you know, animosity, it was all to sell the fight. It's like, mate, you're two rounds in. Yeah. Like, the fight is sold. It's like no one's... Buying it off the back of that, that doesn't make any sense. See, see, see how that surprised me. But as you say, easily the, the biggest name on his uh, on his list, yep. his win list. Yeah, I think he, he... Does he go up to like eight now or something like that? Is he about... I would have thought about, about that. Eighth in the world. What did you think, Stu? What do you think for Vera next? Uh, I thought he looked really good. Um, and... Uh, 
I mean, he's he potentially he's finished the career of Edgar. He finished the career of Pickett. But then post Pickett, he was really, really gracious and and got on the mic and really sort of endeared himself to to, to London in Brad's hometown. Mm. In, in, um, whereas I think in New York, don't don't dig out Frankie Edgar two rounds in. That's yeah. that's not going to win you any fans. That's just going to cut. And and yeah, I think. I don't know. I'm just trying to think through the, the rankings who's in there now for him to find. Let me just pull him up. Well, it does feel like a, a bit of a difficult one because I think everyone behind him is either booked or on losing streaks and you don't necessarily want that. Um, but everyone in front of him has kind of done enough to fight someone ahead of them. So it kind of feels like yeah. unless he's happy to wait around for, say, Corey Sandhagen to have rested up. Sandhagen's on a two-fight losing streak now. He's he's only won one of his last four fights, I think. No, that's not true. Um, but he's 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 on a two-fight losing streak, Sandhagen. So it's not a bad thing for him to step back. He's got losses against Yarn now, losses against Aljo. There, one of them is going to be the champion. I think probably Yarn for yeah. uh, for a while now. Um, so why not go back a step, build up your resume again, take out someone like Marlon Vera, or if Marab Divashvili wants to stay active, maybe he'll fight behind him and take out Vera in order to kind of just keep staying active because bantamweight does feel a bit logjammed. Log You've got Font and Aldo coming up in December. That's going to be a big fight, and the winner of that probably will step into a title shot at some point. TJ's got to come back from injury, so... A lot of these guys, unfortunately, just kind of have to stay active, I think, and put win streaks together. Um, so maybe Marab will do that. But again, I think he deserves to fight someone ahead of him in the rankings. So I don't know. What are your thoughts, Stu? Yeah. I don't think that's a good fight for Marab. I think that's that's a, a step back down the ladder. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I think there's 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 better things that he should be focusing on now than, than, than looking behind him. Um, but who, though? I that's the thing. Who do Because they're all... Like Font, because of the, the Font and Aldo are booked. Front, yeah. TJ's injured. Sandhagen's going to be out for a while now. Yarn's going to Mraz. Has he fought Mraz? Yeah, he beat Marais in his last fight. Yeah, it is. It's a tricky place to be in. Just want to quickly highlight that um, Cheeto Vera didn't. He may have won London over after that picket fight, but he did not win over Stu Whiffin. I was stood next to you and you were furious. <laughs> you were like, that shouldn't have been stopped. It's his last fight. He could have kept going. He was still in it. You were fuming with your beer in hand. Love you, so Brad. I was surprised to hear you say he won, he won everyone over. <laughs> it was a really sweet. I mean, don't get me wrong, everyone was crying because Brad had made his, 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 his speech and then he'd come in and said, like, really complimentary stuff. And, you know, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, at the time, yeah, I was ready to launch me pint. uh, (laughs) um all right so uh just just sort of cautious of time and there's still so much we need to talk about uh uh zhang thug rose oh oh great fight oh yep loved it adored it um what a fight and and pretty close i thought like i thought incredibly close this was one of the notes I made. It's the, it's the almost weekly time to tweet about explaining that forty nine forty six doesn't mean it wasn't close, yeah. or 50, 50, 45 doesn't mean it wasn't close. I, I could see that fight being forty nine forty six for either of them, yeah. or forty eight forty seven for either yeah. of them, because I thought there was 
I felt Rose clearly won the fifth. I felt um, Zhang Wei Li clearly won the s- s- second. Yep. Every other round, I thought, could have gone either way. So that could be four rounds to one to either fighter yeah. and it not be a robbery of any I sort. I thought Wei Li took the first round as well. Like, yep. I, yeah, I thought it was dead close. Yeah. I, I, I feel you on that. Um, I, th- I think Whaley's got the more impactful looking punches. Mm-hmm. And I think something we've learned about Rose in the recent fights where she's been getting knockouts over like icons of the sport is her punches are more impactful than they look because she's quite slight because she's got a, a, a long skinny mm-hmm. frame. It may not look that, that big, but um, her accuracy was there as ever. But I think I, I, I can see why you'd be watching and going, yeah, a Whaley's they've they've landed essentially the same amount of strikes, but Whaley's look that more impactful. But yeah, I I had Rose. No, actually, the first round, I was sat in my living room going, I don't know who won that. Yeah, uh, I was like, I, I, I can't call that. Yeah, I, I had the first two rounds to Zhang. I thought Zhang won the first yeah. big hook that rocked Rose a little bit in the second, made that quite a clear one. Yeah. I think the second round, round three was uh, was tough. I think I think Rose won it. But and she she did get, I think the better strikes in which it, what edged it for me. But then there was a bit of a grappling exchange at the end that, that Jang seemed to edge and maybe land a couple of strikes. But I think I still gave that to Rose. Then I think Rose got kind of top position in four and didn't really do anything. Yeah. It was one of those ones where I'm going, I'm trying to count the impactful strikes here, but there aren't any. Yeah. There aren't any. So you, I, ha- I, I had I to give it because to of wait. top position. Yeah, I had to wait until round five till I thought there was any scorable grappling. Yeah. In the yeah. whole thing, I thought uh, Zhang's takedown at the end of um, of, of the third didn't didn't g- g- get anywhere no. with she it. She landed a Rose couple of elbows. Fourth, didn't get anywhere with it. Yeah, yeah. but that is yeah. That is, but then that's the thing. It's, it's really hard to score. And you know, we're all yeah. you know we're all big fans. We watch most of the cards every week, and we still find it tough to go. God, how do you score that one? And God, there was a couple yeah. of impactful strikes, but there was so much dominance on the ground and they did land a couple of strikes from top position. So how do you do yeah. like, it's, there was it's some, really hard to judge sometimes. There were some really good um, kicks from their backs as well, from Ooh, both of them. Yeah, like Rose threw yeah. some, like a barrage of them. And then I think the, the round after that, uh, Whaley done the same. And uh, yeah, incredible. I mean, Rosie's movement is unreal. Like yeah, her yeah. footwork and her movement is just different level. And I think that, <clears throat> That started to pay off in the latter rounds, I thought. I just yeah. think her movement was better. And it felt to me that Whaley's power was starting to sort of ease off a little bit. Uh, and yeah, I just I, her footwork's incredible. And I just shout out to her corner as well. Because, um, what's her husband's name? Pat Barry. Um, uh, Pat, Pat Barry. Just the most aggressive cornerman ever. Just shouting at her. Can't, can't get his words out quick enough. And then just goes, Trevor, go! <laughs> <laughs> and then Trevor's the smiliest guy in the world. Then, like, yeah. It's just so okay, funny. breathe. <laughs> Are we yeah. having fun? Are we having the fun? most aggressively supportive, <laughs> yeah. though. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a brilliant. Screaming, like, you're the best. You're absolutely amazing. <laughs> Trevor, go! Hey, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're having fun today. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it is. It's great, and again, just shout out to Trevor Whitman. What a night for him! Um, and that's proper Greg J- J- Jackson style. Yeah. Jackson Winklejohn. I always remember GSP. The first time we started to see Greg Jackson, he was always. It felt like you were watching or having some weird acid trip dream because you'd watch this absolute violence. Then he'd walk in and go. 
It was good, wasn't it? How are we going? You enjoying it out there? <laughs> Just be the nicest, most calm guy in the world. And Whitman, obviously, they've worked together for years. They've both absolutely got that such a unique style, but it's perfect for their fighters. Yes. Mm. No, it's great. Absolutely. I loved it. I mean, so in terms of what's, I mean, as you say, close fight could have gone either way. Rose gets the win. What's next for Rose? Well, I think Esparza's the obvious fight for her. I think there's obviously a bit of history there. It doesn't excite me, that fight. Um, but I think it's probably the fight that happened. I don't know. I mean, that was five really great rounds to watch there. I, I don't think they should run it back. Uh, they've done it no, now. Um, but, yeah, I think for me, uh, Carla Esparza, I think, gets, gets the shot. I, I agree that that's what should happen. If you saw Dana White in the press conference, he was pretty clear that he thinks Esparza should fight again and not wait around for a title shot, which I think is is not great. I think, I think she's earned it. She's earned the title shot. She should be getting it. I was always saying that I felt like she should get it over the Zhang rematch because I don't like champions getting immediate rematches unless they're long-reigning champions. Um, yeah. But I wonder if... Dana White saying it's not smart for her to wait for the title shot means that we might end up seeing a number one contender fight between Esparza and maybe like Marina Rodriguez. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, unless they bring Joanna Dana- back or something, I don't know. Dana will essentially do anything to stop Carla Esparza being champion again because that was her championship reign did feel like it was going to kill the division. Like they had that amazing tough series and because her style is so wrestling heavy yeah. but, but not your Dagestani smash smash wrestling style just very much controlling obviously the last few fights yeah. she's looked far more exciting but I always remember all the hype that went into that series and then the lack of interest immediately as it finished and then Joanna got the belt and took that division through the roof yeah. so I think there's there's going to be some either conscious or subconscious stuff there from Dana going, we really tried to launch this division and it almost died. And then Joanna got in and it was amazing. And we had Joanna and Whaley and all these different people. I don't want Carla in there again. But yeah, I think her against Rodriguez is it's a good fight. And Rose isn't one that tends to want to fight constantly. No. It's, as she always talks about, there's a lot of things that she wants to do community-wise outside of the octagon. Yeah. Um, so I, I can see her once again going... I want to take six, seven months to to, yeah. to train, to l- live my life. So I ain't mad at the idea of Carla and, and Rodriguez yeah. s- seeing who, who gets that. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it makes sense. And if Rodriguez wins, it's, again, I think Esparza deserves the shot. I think she should be allowed to wait around for it. But if Rodriguez beats Esparza in a number one contender fight, Rodriguez versus Doug Rose is a far more mouth-watering fight than Esparza versus Rose, I think. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that could be the way that goes. And in terms of Zhang, I'd love to see Joanna come back and they run that one back. What a fight that yeah, was. Redo boy. that oh, fight. Well, just to get a little bit of um, conspiracy theory in here, what do you reckon is going Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And on with Joanna, because that seems bizarre to take her out of the rankings for inactivity. I, yeah. I understand if you're champ and you want to do an interim, but she's a legend. A f- and, and a fucking amazing, killer. And, an absolute killer. And not been that inactive. Mm. She's, she's, she fights fairly regularly. It, seemed, it just seems really odd. Like It was odd when they flashed up the rankings on, on the night and not seeing yeah. Joanna in there. It was like, all right, yeah. It now feels like there's a big dr- drop-off after... Third, I guess, because yeah, right. it's literally you've got Carla and and Rodriguez, and it's like, oh, here's all these other people. Is she still yes. in contract? Is that being negotiated? I don't know if there's yeah. there's something there. It seems like su- some kind of power play of some sort, mm. but I can't. It's not an obvious one. Normally, there's an obvious one, as you guys discussed. Nate Diaz being potentially fighting against Asmat Shemaev. That's a power yeah. play on mm. part of the company to go. Well, we're going to ruin your value, yeah, um, unless you sign or whatever. But I can't see what the deal is with with Joanna there. It seems like a really odd thing to I do. I heard I heard Dana White have a chat with someone recently, and I heard Joanna on Ariel Herwani a while ago. And I think what Dana White said is, "Oh, Joanna says she's only interested in title shots, and that's just not the way mm. it works." And I can understand that mentality. Rose is champion; she's beat you twice. You can't just come into a title shot. You went up against Valentina Shevchenko up a weight class that's probably not your best weight class. You lost that title shot. So it makes sense for her to come back for something else. Uh, whether I think Joanna seems very busy, all her social media, all that. She's constantly advertising products. She, I think, was doing some filming. I don't know if it was for an advert or if it was for like a TV thing or what. But I think she's making plenty of money outside of the octagon now. So from her point of view, she's probably going, I only want to come back if I'm getting paid really good money and that would mean pay-per-view money. And she's not going to get pay-per-view money if she headlines, say, a fight night card with Zhang or does a three-round fight with Zhang and she's on a pay-per-view where the title holders and challengers are the ones with that pay-per-view revenue. So I wonder if there's issues there in the contracts, but she will be contracted. You know, the way the UFC does these contracts is, you know, every time you renew, you're probably on like a new six-fight deal or whatever it is. Yeah. So you can't go anywhere else. And it would already be big news if she was out of contract. Yeah, oh, yeah. She's, yeah. she's Joanna. Yeah, exactly. You know? So I also I think understand it's just that. that if Joanna is to, you know, 
if her head's going to double in size, you want pain, right? Yeah. 100%. She said that. She said that it was the first time she really thought about her health, her long-term health after yeah. the Zhang fight. And of yeah. course, you look at those pictures and you go, yeah, too right. So she needs to be paid accordingly. She is a big star. But I think what the UFC do a lot of the time is they are always saying, our brand is bigger than any fighter. And these power plays, mm-hmm. they did it with Leon Edwards. I know Leon Edwards is not the star that Joanna is, but they've done it before, taking people out of the rankings and all that stuff. But I'm, so, I'm sure as soon as she comes back, she'll be reinserted into the rankings because she is, she is easily top five, if not top three, in that division. Um, and so, always yeah. incredible to watch fight. Yeah, like, always great fun to watch fight. So, yeah. Is, is, is an interesting thought of her and... And and Wei Li fighting to see who gets the rare th- third shot. Mm. As both of them have have lost twice, it, they're in the exact same position. Yeah. They've both lost twice, sometimes in arguable decisions mm-hmm. and things like that, or close fights. So that could be an interesting one to go. It's so hard to get a third shot at yeah. someone. Yeah. Look how that other fight went. It's going to be hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's about as hard. Here's the hardest route that you can have to get yeah. that opportunity. And again, who's well, not going to turn in, tune in? Sorry, to a fight, yeah. either a fight night, five round match. You want it to be five rounds as well after the last yep. one. You don't want it to be a three round, or you make it one of those special Diaz special five round like yeah. non-title fights that is not an, yeah. not necessarily a main event on a fight card. That is going to boost numbers. That is going to add to pay-per-view yeah, or, or any of that stuff. That's a huge, huge fight. I mean, we talked about those kind of uh, e- e- the free ESPN or the ones they do on like ABC in America now. These are huge mm-hmm. fight cards. And again, having two women headline a free-to-view fight card does, I think, wonderful things uh, for the sport, especially when it's the two women that were responsible for a fight of the year the other year. I think that could be a great business move on the UFC's part to do that as well. So that's what I'd like to see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, should we get on to uh, the uh, what are headliners? Colby yeah. Kimura. Yeah. Thoughts? Did you say Kimura? <laughs> Kamara Usman. Yeah. I thought you said Kimura. Like, <laughs> like the submission. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, what a fight. I mean, it, it went exactly how I thought it would go for the first two rounds, and then it went completely differently to how I thought it would go. I, I, I mean, Usman, yeah. I thought, was really didn't feel showing that superior striking. I've been talking about like how he's improved under Trevor Whitman, and we haven't really seen anything from Colby that in, uh, that's evidence of his improvement, really, because the Woodley fight was the Woodley fight. Um so the first two rounds, when he got him down and, and potentially could have finished him in that second round, I was like, oh, okay, he's going to get the knockout in the next round. This is going exactly how I thought it would. Yeah. And then Colby really surprised me. And I, I mean, personality-wise and a lot of things he stands for, not really for me, but as a fighter, you have to just say, wow, to come back from that against arguably, people are saying now, the pound-for-pound pound current best fighter in the world is Kamara Usman, mm-hmm. to, to come back. And I think, argue, I don't think he won the third round, <clears throat> excuse me, but he was very close to That was a tight round. I think you could give that potentially either way. And then he definitely won the fourth round. That, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was really quite quite special. Yeah, I completely agree. It, I felt the first two, two and a half, 
you could see the improvements Usman had made, made. All Colby seemed to have added was smiling every time he got hit, yeah. which seemed really... And, and it, it, it made me think... I, I think that Chandler-Gaethje fight seemed to influence a lot of the card with how, how much people went to war, leg kicks. And one of the things in that fight was Chandler repeatedly kind of going... Well, come on, yeah, and then getting punched again. Well, come on, and then getting punched again. And 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 Colby seemed to be doing a, a lot yeah. of that, going, yeah, like a less have it, and then not throwing anything, just getting beaten up. But as you say, f- fair play to him. He he stuck it out. The first two and a half rounds, I thought he looked nervous. I thought he looked over overwhelmed. I thought m- maybe getting knocked out or his jaw broken last time was in his head. So yeah, I thought it was going to be. A stoppage early on. My brother actually, round two, my brother started putting his shoes on to uh, to leave and head home because we're like, it's it's, it's gone five. Yeah. That happened. He was like, right, I'm getting my shoes on and ready to go. And then he, he stuck it out. So fair play to him. Yeah, in in many ways. Absolutely. I thought um I thought Usman's jab was amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that for me kind of dictated the fight. I think Colby was struggling to, to, to make up the distance and, and he'd be throwing, you know, we know he's chaos, but it, it looked chaotic when he was trying to sort of like make that ground up. And yeah, and I think uh, Usman's takedown defence was on point. I just think he, yeah, he just looked so dominant. But Colby come to bang and he, <laughs> there was times when he looked like he was, you know, it hurt Usman, but at no point did I think he was ever going to finish him. I, I just think, rightly so, I think Usman's pan for pan, pretty much the you know the daddy at the moment. I really do. Speaking of the takedown defence, one of my favourite clips of commentary was DC getting all annoyed at what doesn't count as a, t- a takedown oh, and saying, God, yeah. I'm an Olympic wrestler and I don't know what counts as a takedown. It's like, yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's the exact problem, DC. You, you, you don't. You literally don't know what counts in MMA. Mm. In wrestling, sure. But in MMA, it's different criteria for what counts. So, yeah. Yeah. How, did, was quite how did you guys score it? Did you think that Usman won the fight? Do you think the, the, the scorecards were correct? What did you think? I, I, I felt round two was a 10-8. You, you felt that was a 10-8. That's interesting, yeah. I did, I did. I think it's not boxing, so you don't just get a 10-8 for dropping them, but I thought Usman was l- leading the dance up until that point, and I thought he came close to finishing. Yeah, I thought, oh, this is about to be stopped. Yeah. So it wasn't that it was an isolated moment. I felt he was ahead in the strike in any yeah. way, and then almost got the finish. So I felt that was, for me, I felt that... that fit the criteria for a 10-8 um, and then yeah as said I thought Colby came back but he came back to make close rounds Yeah, I don't think he came back and dominated any no. round so I uh, again I could happily give him a couple of rounds um, but I felt because of the 10-8 all he could have got to was a draw right. um, at that point I, I, I kind of agree with, with, with Pip on that but do, do you What's your thoughts on I, it, Blake? I don't know that I did give it a 10-8. I do feel like he was leading the dance up until that point, but I didn't feel like there was enough. And I don't... I felt like if the round was longer, yeah, it possibly could have been stopped later on. But I didn't feel like the action that we saw was would have led to a ref stepping in. I felt like it was more like 
all, if this keeps going, the ref's going to step in. I've got no problem with anyone giving it the 10 8 because I, I do think it was one of those judgment calls, but I kind of felt That's like... exactly my yeah. thought as, as, as well, Blake. I can see how you could argue it wasn't quite a, a 10 8 Again, in the old rules, 100% a 10 8 because of the of the dropping in. But under the, the current rules, it is that more on the borderline. Yeah. Um, yeah. I felt there was enough prior to that to, to push it over the yeah. edge, but I can completely see how you can go... It wasn't quite close enough. Yeah, because yeah, but and um, and I felt like I had to rewatch round three twice because I was like, I watched round three and went, did I just give that to Colby? Because I think he ended the round a bit stronger, and then I was like, I, I need to go. I watched the whole fight and then I was like, I need to go back and watch round three again because when I initially watched the fight, because I didn't give a ten eight for Usman, I sort of went, I think I've judged this for Colby. And then mm. I had to go back and watch round three. And if re-watching round three, I felt like I was swayed by the end of the, the round maybe. And I maybe forgot some of the more impactful strikes that Usman landed earlier in the round. And I sort of went, no, I think Usman did get this. But again, because of my initial reaction, I'm like, if anyone scored round three for Colby, I've got no problems at all. Because I initially thought, I think yeah. this was Colby's. But re-watching it, I think it was Usman's. But then I do think that Colby won round four and round five. So it's, it, it was such a close fight. And props to Colby because this whole lead up to this fight has been me saying he doesn't deserve it. And I'll stand by that. I do think Leon deserved it more. But I've also been saying I think this fight is ended in three rounds and Usman just shows how much he's evolved and we haven't seen that from Colby and blah, blah, blah. And I really thought I was sitting there all smug. We would have had the smug jingle ready, Stu, for, uh, for, for me to come on and go, I told you. And then he really pulled it out of the bag. So just loads of credit to, to Colby again as a fighter, the durability and all that stuff to come back from that. I thought was was quite special. So so yeah. So I think it's 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 really interesting on the scoring front because because something that that previous guest of yours, Sean Sheehan, always says is you have to score it as fighter A versus fighter B, um, and it can be really hard to do that. Like for example, if when Connor fought Khabib. Connor was getting the best of him in, in wrestling. You'd 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 want to score that through the roof because yeah. you're not expecting it. But I think the key in this one, or the thing that came to mind for me in this one, is remembering that it's fighter A and fighter B fresh each round. Yeah. Um, if you start watching round one and round two and think Kamara is going to absolutely dominate, you get to round three and he doesn't absolutely dominate, even though he might have won the round. You're thinking, I think. I, I think Colby might have won that because you were expecting yeah. him to lose it so heavily. So, in reality, if you're scoring it as if that was the first round, you probably you might have clearer been clearer in thinking, oh, that was Usman. Yeah. He's got that. But because of what you're expecting, it's really it's a fucking hard job, man. It's really being a judge because it's, really it's again, there's so much that you have to you naturally think that you have to have to take away and remove it's, the styles of the fighters what you think their game yeah. plan is versus what they're actually managing all that like again i kept getting obsessed with the fact that usman was managing to stuff the takedowns yeah that doesn't score anything for him but in my mind because colby kept trying and he kept failing in my mind he's like usman's getting the better of this it's like right though no, that that just means it's no. Yeah. Like, that's something mm. that didn't you don't get minus mm. points for trying and not succeeding. So so yeah. So looking Weird one. forward then, gents. Um I mean for Usman, if Leon beats Masvidal, Leon gets the shot, right? 
It has to, surely. I mean, the, the upsetting thing is, is of, of, of all the good that Kamaru Usman has done, he's talking about fighting Canelo in a boxing match. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, Ridiculous. this it's just got no interest in that whatsoever. I could not care less. I don't want Usman to have a boxing match at all, let alone a boxing match against Canelo. Just what would the... what Other than Usman making money... What would the point be in that as a fan? Um, so no, I, I think I, there's money, and then there's fighting Canelo money. So I understand yeah. Weisman's probably thinking I can probably make millions and millions by f- this fight. Doesn't interest me as as, no. a, as a fight fan. I don't want to see that. Uh, I want to see him do what he does. But if he's pan for pan, I want to see him continue to, with that reign and and just get better and better because we're seeing him get better with every fight, and that's what I want. But I do understand why we're seeing so many mixed martial artists now taking fights outside of, you know, their chosen sport because of money. And it's been spoken about on this podcast that, you know, a lot of people are, are not earning what they feel they should be earning within the UFC. Yep. But uh, I think I think it's, it's, it's great hearing you say that because my thought when you said what's next for Usman was I look forward to seeing the completely unpredictable wrinkle in the fabric of of reality that stops Leon getting the title shot next because it it's constant there's pandemics yeah. there's there's covid and people getting injured yeah. there's all sorts of other stuff but it turns out it's going to be a boxing match with Canelo who 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 could have predicted yeah. that's the reason that that he doesn't get the title shot next but it seems bizarre <clears throat> for Leon that and again there's his own injuries he's had there was the replacement fight where it stopped because of an eye poke. There was getting caught with one punch against Nate at the end of absolute Uh. domination. There's always these weird things. It's like, all right, well, there you go. The title shot's off the table again. Yeah, it's it's mad. (laughs) It's it's mad. You're absolutely right. It should be bang on if Leon wins, he gets the title shot. End of discussion. But it's never the end of discussion with Leon, is it? It's always, as you said, no. it's always something. It's something. I mean, and he's got to get through Masvidal. And he has got to get through Masvidal. I mean, he should be the favourite to win that fight. He yep. really should. But we all, we all have seen Masvidal do the unexpected against Till, against Askren. So, uh, you know, that does happen. Um, I think if if Leon doesn't win that fight, if you're Kamara Ruzman, I think you ask them to throw Hamza in there because A, he's the biggest star going in the world's weight division at the moment that Usman hasn't already beaten. Mm. Um, I'm not necessarily including Nate because he doesn't deserve a title shot, even though he has been mentioning wanting a title shot uh, and the UFC are not going to give him a title shot in the last fight of his contract because if he won, I mean, what the hell would you do? Um, so I would say if I was Usman, I was like, give me Hamzat now because Hamzat's only going to get better and better and better as the time goes on. So get him now before he gets too good. Um, but again, I'm sure... And let him build his way back, the kind of yeah. the Nganu type thing with Stipe, where Stipe got him when he wasn't really ready. Yeah. And then that fights. But just, just something I'd noted, um, speaking of superstars, um, and I know that you two, again, were catching up, so I don't know if you're fast forward in between fights, but the biggest reaction of the night... Uh, when they cut to fighters in the crowd, was for previous guest Paddy the Baddy. Yeah, um, crowd absolutely exploded, and it surprised me a bit. I know he's he's a rising yeah. star, but he got a bigger reaction than any of the people there, even Teixeira and people like that who wow. are champions. 
and it was so cool to see just really absolute eruption he was super humble with it as well just kind of acknowledged yeah. the camera didn't stand on his seat kind of and then beckon smart, the crowd yeah. they cut to Bispin but when you see what Paddy put on his uh, socials someone else filmed it he then literally did get up on his seat uh, and then beckon the crowd to applaud him some more yeah yeah <laughs> but, uh, so um, cool to see amazing absolutely amazing just because you know he's big this side of the pond yeah. so it's just amazing to see over there oh he's as over he's making as much of an impact yeah, uh, super cool. Also, uh, another random celebrity thing. I, I presume it's something to do with the the, the uh, combat sports movie she's got, but the the strap being put round Rose by Halle Berry. Uh, yeah, she's been training for years yeah. now with with Nunes and with Cyborg. Right. I think so. Uh, it's weird because I started following her a couple of years back because she was giving really good analysis on socials yeah. of of these upcoming women's fights. Like, that's odd. That's, that's Halle Berry. And then it turned out, yeah, she was training for years right. for a role and that film was about to come out. So that was the, yeah, she, she, she was um, in between them at the weigh-ins yeah, as well. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. And I was like, is she going to break it up if it kicks off? I know she's been training. But... <laughs> now, I think but she, uh, she, as a, I think Valentina Shevchenko is like the bad guy of the movie or something like right. that. And yeah. um, my wife was telling me this. Cause I think Halle Berry was on Graham Norton. And I didn't watch it, but my wife has told me this story. She said that um, uh, one of the fight director guys was like, look, the best thing is, is that you just kind of fight like for real. Yeah. Um, but obviously you're taking it light on each other, but that's what will look the best rather than like positioning yeah. the camera for shots and blah, 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 blah. And so, um, so she went, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. And um, so she's fighting Valentina Shevchenko <laughs> and then she feels she takes a kick and feels like it's really bad pain in her ribs, but somehow carries on with the scene until they get to the finish of it and then kind of puts her hand up and goes, yeah, I think I need to go to the hospital. And she'd like broken a couple of ribs. Wow. Is, that's, Amazing, I mean, yeah. that's something else. You're fighting. I know yeah. Valentina Shevchenko is probably legit, going at like man. 20%. But you're still, you're getting in yeah. there with Valentina Shevchenko and giving it a good go. And uh, you break your ribs, but you're like, oh, I'm going to carry on with this scene. I mean, ha- Halle Berry, I'm yeah. well up for watching Fair this play. film now. I'm, I'm all 100%. over it. Sounds great. Hopefully we can, get, we can get her on and get a little sponsorship deal going there, <laughs> <laughs> That sounds good. Well, just before we sort of um, t- touch on a few sort of highlights from the, the, the prelims, um, Colby, what's next? Uh, so I was uh, uh, at the end of round two. The smug Blake was coming up with something, and he was oh, like, "I tell, I tell you what's next for Colby, mate. He's going to the WWE. He's not going to be able to deal with this after getting knocked out in three rounds by Usman and all that stuff." And again, I have to just say, I credit to Colby because at the end of the fight, he didn't run off. He stood there. And he was really just saying, yeah, I got beat by the better man tonight. And it, it, it really turned me around. And also, seeing after the fight, them sort of come together in what looked like it could be animosity, but seemed to turn into like Colby saying something nice to him. And I think saying, you know, effectively saying, look, look I'm, I'm behaving like a dick for the pay-per-view buys. But, you know, I've got a lot I of respect I want to hear what they said. Because really Usman clearly it. kind of paused and went, I like that. I like that. And that's he, yeah. he got one over by something he said. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, and I, and do you know what? I'm just like, and after the way he did that and the way he was with Rogan's interview afterwards, it makes you think, do you know what? I don't think this guy's going anywhere. I think he really does want to be the best. And he's not mm-hmm. just, and, and I mean, obviously, we've, we've never doubted Colby's talent. And I wonder if now, he obviously is beat twice by the champion. The champion's probably not going anywhere for a while. Um, 
So he's going to have to fight back in line. And again, his name keeps coming up and he's my favorite name to mention at the moment. But if you're Colby Covington, what's the biggest fight you can... Well, obviously, win or lose, actually, in December, the Masvidal fight is probably the biggest fight you can have. And there's loads of beef there and it's a winnable fight and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But if for some reason that doesn't work out, call out Hamza Shemaev. Call him out. He's already called him... He called him cum shot Jemaev in the uh, in the build up to the uh, to the fight when he was mentioned. I didn't know whether to say Grow it. Up, I know, yeah. Was it Marty Fake Newsman, Street Judas Masvidal, and now cum shot Jemaev um, is Colby's G- nickname? Genuinely. So the the Masvidal one is 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 weirdly the hardest one to build because they're both Trump fans, which you wouldn't expect. Yeah. But Masvidal's a massive Trump supporter, yeah. which doesn't make any any sense. Yeah. But yeah, but but I think there's loads Weird. of beef there between him and Masvidal. Yeah. That yeah. probably is the fight to make. I'm just getting a bit overexcited about uh, Hamzat Shimaev. Um, yeah, but I think again, Hamzat's the other than maybe Masvidal, he's the biggest fight in that division. It's crazy to say. He's only had four fights. It's mental to say that this guy with only four fights in the UFC has been in the UFC octagon for a total of probably like four minutes or something like that or less. Um, Mm. It's mad that he's such a big deal, but he is. His 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 ultimate stat is also the biggest thing that should make you go, oh, let's give that a go, is the fact that he's only been punched twice in the UFC. How's he going to react if he's punched then? Yeah. Like we've not seen him get punched yet. Right? You always say we've not seen him get tested. We've literally not really seen him get punched. So that's a, a the the age old saying everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the in the face. Yeah. That might give some people some confidence yeah. in. Well, he looks amazing, but let's land a punch on him and see how amazing he looks yeah. after that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and again okay. the rest. But he does look amazing. He does well, look amazing. Right? <laughs> looks so and cool. again, the wrestling credentials of Colby <laughs> would maybe make that a really interesting yeah. fight. So, I mean, you would imagine win or lose, because Masvidal shouldn't be getting a title shot against Usman, even if he beats Leon. Win or lose, mm-hmm. Masvidal Colby's the fight to make. That's a big fight. It's a yeah, loads of right. good build up to that. There'll be a lot of animosity there, all that stuff. But shy of that, call out Hamzat. Get him now. Get him now. Be the first guy to beat Hamzat Shemaev. That is going to make you a big deal and start people going. Oh, well, maybe he should have a rematch with Usman because the last one was really tight and he's just beat Hamzat. So mm. I don't think beating Masvidal is going to make people go, oh, he's beat Masvidal, get him in with a title shot again. But oddly, beating Hamzat would. Okay, well, look, let's move on to the the, the, the prelims, lads, because we're well over the hour point. And, uh, and just glancing down, there's, there's still quite a few fights that need to be just mentioned. I mean, before we get on to some of the the... the, the the exact absolute standout moments. I mean, let, let, let's just, I, I, I want to touch on Alex Pereira because. Oh, okay. Or, or, or speaking of, I, I, I just, I'm glad you've gone there because speaking of Chimaev having a fast route, I think Pereira might have the option of the fastest route to a title in, in UFC history yep. because he's got a win in kickboxing over Stylebender yep. and that division is struggling for contenders because yep. Till can't seem to get the win that puts him in there because he's uh, Starbender's beaten everyone else. I think I could see Pereira after th- this knockout, one maybe two more f- f- fights, and they'd start saying, "Let's sling him in against Starbender." 
I think he could literally get the fastest rise, or as fast a rise as Starbender, uh, ironically, uh, the previous fastest rise to a title I shot. I think yeah. he'll need a few more kind of highlights like the flying knee. I think, you know, yeah. a, a couple of decisions I don't think will we'll, we'll get in there just yet. But, yeah, yeah the back, the back said, story. I only think it b- b- because of how empty that division yeah. is or, or how short it is of challengers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is this really short of challengers. You're right. I mean, one thing I would say is Michaelidis isn't a fighter I really know much about. And he completely dominated him for that first 100%. round. I know he didn't get off like a lot of damage or anything, but I mean, I, I, again, someone might correct me because I don't know much about Michaelidis, but if you're going up against, for example, a Jack Hermanson or a Derek Brunson, you, you're, Wrestling defense and grappling defense has to be way better than what I think Alex Pereira's is right now. 100%. Um, and so he could get fast track. And if he if he gets, say, Kevin Holland and then Uriah Hall and then Adesanya, yeah, well, he could be champion. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. It depends on how they want to book it because there's people like Kevin Holland, Uriah Hall, Till, a few others in that division that aren't going to look to wrestle. So you could easily write a, a route to the title shot mm. that isn't going to put him in against wrestlers. And again, the fact is, the champ ain't a wrestler. So so there's, there is yeah. that route there to go, all right, well, yeah, a Uriah Hall or a Till, a Holland, yeah. that's, it's those easy stepping stones to then go, if Adesanya beats Whitaker again, you are looking around going, who fights him? Costa's got to move up. Yeah. He's beaten. Romero's gone. I think Costa already He's moved beaten. up, mate. He moved up a few yeah. weeks yeah. ago, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He moved up a couple of weeks before his fight. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's, 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 it's a really tough division for, for knowing what, who, who's next, even after this one fight. Yeah. It's, well, yeah. we've got Brunson Cannoneer coming up. That looks like the number one contender fight outside yep. of, obviously, Whitaker's fighting next. And then, you're right. Other than that, no one can really string too many wins together. Sean Strickland was in a great position, but his fight with Luke Rockhold has, has fallen that out, moved, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that I don't was know meant to have been last night, wasn't it? That was, I think, meant to be Sorry, last, not night. last night, Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, if Sean Strickland wants to get in there quick, another one of the the the, the prelims that we had was Imavov beating Shabazi, and I'm a bit worried about what's mm-hmm. next for Shabazian. But Imavov looked good. If Imavov can turn it around quick. Get him straight in there against Whose Strickland. corner was Strickland in last night? Because oh, Strickland was, was in he? someone's corner. You're wasn't right. Um, I can't think who it was. It wasn't Imarvov. It was wasn't. It? For some reason I had it in my head. It was Imarvov. It wasn't but... Chris Curtis, was it? Maybe against Phil yeah, Hawes. It might have been Curtis. Yeah, it might have been. I think that could be the one. That I'm not 100 percent sure, but yeah. I mean, right. let, let, let's just quickly touch on uh, Chris Curtis, like kind of getting a beating for. Uh, pretty much the whole round and then dealing with it in spectacular yeah. fashion. Yeah, and the story there of 10 years yeah. since he was meant to get his opportunity to to get in there and then, yeah, he gets this kind of replacement fight. Bang. I mean, got to have been the hardest night to choose fight of the night bonuses, oh. knockout bonuses and whatnot because it was fighter after fighter after fighter. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, I think ridiculous. Well, another one that was obviously, I think, might even have got uh, one of them as well. He's he's Bobby Green, our Quinter. Oh, Bobby yeah. Green, man! Like, oh, you were speaking earlier of Usman's 
jab and I was thinking the only jab I think better in MMA at the moment is Bobby Green's his jab is beautiful and his shoulder rolls and his shoulder defence his shoulder guard Mm. keeping his arms down but getting really good defence from getting his shoulders in position and his movement was oh obviously it didn't go go too far that that, that fight but uh, Al looked like he was struggling to, to, to deal with Bobby Green style. Bobby Green looks so comfortable. Hands were low quite quite a lot, thrown thrown like yeah. right from the hip. Like it was yeah, wonderful to see Bobby Green fighting like that. Brilliant. And 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 he was one of many. The big note I made quite early on was it's the most wholesome night for post fight interviews. And that continued again, yeah. as you say, even Colby came across as a nice mm. guy, but Bobby Green, after his wins, saying how he's here to be an inspiration, that he had no mum and no dad, his brother uh, died, his uncle yeah. died, all of this. And it's like, man, you're tearing me up here. Yeah. And again, his performance was was fantastic. He's he's great. He's always been one that's kind of, you're waiting for his, his bad fight. He'll, yeah. he'll have two or three where he just looks like he, he could be genuinely a contender. His 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 footwork, his jab, his sh- everything, everything in his stand up is amazing, and he's really a wrestler kind of thing. It's like this guy could be next, you know, big big top ten, but then it seems to fall off. But this was really him. It is his best, wasn't it? Absolutely, it was great. And then we had Chris Barnett. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, oh, oh, speaking of superstars. What the hell was that? I mean, I've heard a lot of people talking about him. I saw his UFC debut against Rothwell where he was just kind of, he felt almost undersized if there's a guy that big. I mean, he's only five. Yeah. He's a, obviously, a, he's a chunky dude, but he's five yeah. foot nine. He's yeah. five foot nine. He's going to give up a lot in height to a lot of people he fights. But Jesus Christ, when you throw a spinning wheel kick like that, no, yeah. I mean, Jesus, that was crazy. And I, I felt like he wasn't doing a huge amount in the round. The commentary was talking about like how he's just touching him and he's not really, you know, doing yeah. anything that's going to land and, and be a damaging shot. And then right on cue, he pulls out that spinning wheel kick to the head. That was unbelievable. And it in was- fairness to John Volante, like, if you're fighting someone who's as wide as they are tall... You will not be expecting that style of attack, no. would you? I mean, because no. it made no. I mean, his walkout was fucking off the scale. Yeah, like, <laughs> or, or he was the one. I'm sure it was in the Rothwell fight that they said he was found in a nightclub by his coach. His coach was in a nightclub and saw this big no. dude dancing all night and literally like doing the worm and all sorts, and walk up to him and said, "Have you ever considered MMA?" Because the the big problem with heavyweight MMA is cardio and you know movement and it's like he was watching this big dude have that in 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 bags um, and yeah that was how he started his MMA career he turned up the next day at this guy's gym and um, it all went on from there but yeah he danced his way down he got that spinning head kick and then delivered a forward <laughs> flip that was oh, as impressive as the spinning head kick. Onto his ass, which was just <laughs> so his ass beautifully, and just doing a little pose as he landed. Oh, it was so God. weird. It just looked like some when he landed. I was just excited. I thought, oh, has he has he undershot that that somersault there? And then he just landed straight on his ass. He just looked like a little teddy bear just sitting there, didn't he? It was brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. pain painful on his bum. Oh, but imagine how that would have been on his knees. He, cho- he made the right choice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, instantly, you know, we, we've got the makings of another 
kind of Roy Nelson type fan favourite there, haven't we? You know, yeah, the yeah. way he, he, he celebrated and that is just like, what a platform to do it on Madison Square Garden. But then again, his post-fight interview, again, you've just got your big win and you've got it in glorious fashion. He would not talk about himself. He would only put over Volante, yeah. who was retiring that night and is a legend and getting the crowd and all cheering. pulled him over like, for the interview saying, yeah. don't go anywhere, yeah. can he stay here? Pulled him over and it was just beautiful. Again, that's your. you've just scored a fucking spin, a spinning heel kick KO yeah. and done a flip. You could have been going, it's all about me. I'm your next superstar. But no, he's like, forget me, this dude, absolute yeah. legend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, incredible. Incredible. And it, it, yeah, just the dancing at the end as well. So he danced to the cage. He danced out the cage. Just, yeah, what a fun character. I want to see more of him. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Speaking of fun characters, guys. Yes. Yeah. Arguably one of the <laughs> most fun characters we've had on the podcast. And, you know, we spoke about um, the, the, the camera uh, panning onto Paddy in the audience and the reaction. Uh, because Paddy was the, you know, I guess from from these shores, the last the last sort of person that's gone over to there, and the, and the hype was huge. Last night, I keep saying last night, Saturday night, that hype train, Ian Gary was driving, right? Oh, yeah, hundred percent. What the the story I loved the most was the one DC was saying that on the morning of the fight, Ian Gary invited him out to play eighteen <laughs> rounds of golf. <laughs> Like, that's confidence. I mean, it might be a lovely way. I mean, I don't know how sensible something like that is. Playing, like maybe it's a nice, relaxing, easy thing you can do. But play a round of golf hours before your UFC debut that's going on at Madison Square Garden. I don't know. Maybe it's a genius way of dealing with the nerves. I don't know. But incredible. One of the mad things that, again, Severe MMA kept saying was something that they felt was a questionable choice was... Um, the fact that Ian Gary has never even attended a UFC event. So, so this isn't only his first time fighting at a UFC event. It's the first time attending. And as all of us can contest, it's a different ball game. Yeah. You know, I love Cage Warriors. I love Bellator. I love all of these. I love, I love Bama back in the day. But it's a different ball game when it's a UFC yeah. event. Madison so, Square Garden. <laughs> and Madison oh. Square Gardens. It's, it's madness. But again, the thing I loved was in his post-fight... Him addressing that, him being humble and saying, you know what, I was a bit nervous as I came out. Which is, and I started yeah. the fight a bit nervous. It showed in the fight. Um, I thought that was amazing. For someone who is so confident yeah. and is pushing that I'm a brash, confident character on the edge of arrogance kind of thing, for him to go, Phew, that was weird, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, it, it took me a minute. That was that that got a bit shaky. But his, his finish in the last second, right? Yeah. It was, mm. oh, Oh, it was it glorious. It was good, yeah. I mean, he just seemed to be looking for something like that. Because I have to say, I think up until that moment, had, you know, the last 10 seconds of the round been like very little activity from either of them, I think he goes in losing the first round. 100%. I think Jordan wins, 100%. You know, 100%, yeah. And so to to just, it looked like he was trying to set something big up towards the end. And I think, you, as you just pointed out, he did seem nervous for the first couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. How could you not be for all the reasons that we've just said? Um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, what we'll look back on is Ian Gary's UFC debut in Madison Square Garden finished with a first-round knockout. That's what's it, important. And he's done the same, it. And it was the same with Paddy, you know? Paddy got clipped in his debut, you know? The, 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 it's a big mm-hmm. stage to step up to. And, and you know, but they all finished it and, and, and come out looking good. I mean, people do, as you said, Blake, like, look back at it on paper. Ian Gary... 
first round KO, Madison Square Garden on his debut. Super humble. I mean, we do talk about, um, you know, Ian Gary is having that kind of, you know, there's so many, obviously he even quoted Connor in the, uh, yeah. uh, talking to Rogan post-match. But one of the things that you see with Ian Gary is even in the, in the Cage Warriors fights, like, yes, he talks a lot and he's, you know, he's full of like how good he is, but he's never, ever derogatory about the people he's fighting. Mm, and right. he was, even in the weigh-ins, he's, he's super courteous and respectful. That's not a side of uh, of him that, you know, that, that has ever been seen. So I really like that. I like the fact there's hype behind him. You know, he's he's clearly super talented and, and I can't wait to see what, what, what we're going to get from him. But I do also like the fact that he's super respectful. He's not took that element of Connor of, you know, of the trash talking and that. Um, so, yeah. Don't know what's next. I mean, that's going to do his confidence the world of good to walk out of that octagon, you know. Uh, I, and just again, to, like we've talked about the struggle in the first round, but the technique and cleanness of that finish, mm. that, again, it's something uh, I feel like I'm referencing just other MMA podcasts constantly, but, <laughs> but I like to s- cite my sources. But it's something that Jack Slack's been saying for ages is everyone's talking about how the, the, the calf kick has changed the game. The left check or lead hand ch- check hook is as has, has just been doing b- business for a minute and it was it was how connor did aldo and this was just an 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 imitation of that it's yeah his technique and speed and accuracy is is beautiful and it was good i think it's kind of nice that as blake was saying we didn't have to go in with him being around down to come back from it's all yeah. kind of a raise yeah. it's like no here's what we came yeah. to see that beautiful technique clean finish walk away type knockout love it absolutely um are we are we are we done talking fights is there anything else that anybody wanted to sort of touch on about the event um no no really. my, my wife uh i i let her know that rose number units was fighting she watched that fight and then at the end of it you saw rose chatting to i'm assuming her parents and my wife was just crying <laughs> Ro- <laughs> Ro- every time rose fights my wife is in tears she's just like it's just you must be so proud you're so beautiful <laughs> I was, I was in tears at the embarrassingness of Bisping oh, stood behind God, him waiting to get his home. <laughs> as they're having this big emotional cry moment, you see Bisping being like, hi Rose, hi Rose, hi Rose, hi Rose. God. Sit down. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your moment. Oh, amazing. Um, well, look, Pip, thanks loads for jumping on uh, and discussing uh, the scraps of us today. Um, for all of you out there that have uh, tuned in for the first time, if you like hearing us talking to Pip, um, go and have a look in the back catalogue because um, Pip's becoming a, a regular on lots of the pre and post shows, normally alongside Brian Lacey, who uh, I believe was at somewhere in Europe commentating on uh, some, some combat sports somewhere. Uh, hopefully we'll have Brian back soon um, as we lead up to some other big cards. Other than that, if you like hearing us chatting, well, the aforementioned Ian Gary, there's some, uh, well, one of the most fun episodes you will ever hear is uh, Ian Gary singing Grease Lightning to Blake and I uh, on uh, <laughs> ahead of his um, when he won the Cage Warriors scrap, um, strap, not scrap, uh, scrap and strap, um, and yeah, I mean we've we've we've, we've been blessed to have had a, a real who's who of the uh, MMA industry on the podcast from Mark Goddard who done some incredible. Um, uh, Refing at the weekend as well, uh, through to Alexander Volkanovsky, uh, Tyron Woodley. Uh, gosh, who else Dan, we had on Blake? Dan Hardy, Arnold yeah. Allen, Jack Shaw, Paddy Pimblett, Molly McCann, uh, Derek Brunson. Yeah, yeah. Angela Hill, Angela Hill, yeah. Jojo Calderwood. 
yeah, loads and loads of good ones. And then some lovely uh, Cage Warriors interviews as well with people like the Hardwick Brothers and Paul Hughes, who got the uh, featherweight, interim featherweight title at Cage Warriors recently. And uh, the list goes on and on. If you want to see the or listen to the uh, guys that are going to be the next big UFC stars, like your Paddy Pimblitz and Ian Gary, we were interviewing them before they hit the UFC. And then we've also got champions and like Alexander Volkanovsky and people like that on the show as well. So check those interviews out. A big congrats to Molly McCann, who signed another contract for the UFC. Yes! I believe. And, uh, oh, congrats to uh, Jojo Calderwood, who got married. Yay! That's all good stuff. <laughs> oh, right, we're it. back next time. Thanks again, Pip. 